Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open with tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A6 Saloon, with PCP finance from only €499 per month. Now is the time to make an appointment. Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung Duck Technik. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Disney vs. Disney Debates, the podcast where we're going to figure out exactly what is the best Disney film of all time. I am your host and Grandmaster Zane C. Weber, here with two veteran debaters to discuss the various merits and demerits of Coco and Hercules. Uh, Fact-checking with us today is none other than Carly Skelton. Greetings, Zane C. Weber. How are you today? I am... Very well. Fantastic. Good to hear. Do you have a bias to admit? No, I don't actually with this one. Wonderful. I like them both equally. I do. Excellent. Well, let us introduce the defender for Hercules, none other than Roz Howie. Hello. Hi, Roz. (laughs) How are you going today, Roz? I'm very well. Feeling confident? Oh, so confident. Excellent. You've had you've you you've uh you've gone to the the temple and you've made your sacrifice of an ox. I have indeed. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Hercules <laughs> reference. I like it. Oh yes, I'm very mythological. And defending Coco today, we have none other than Stacey Hobbs. Hello, Stacey. How are you I'm feeling here. today, Stacey? I am good. I'm very good. I'm excited to be defending Coco um, for Craig. Um, Couchy. Of so course, Craig had to Shout out to Craig. Step out um, at the last moment. Yeah, who did a wonderful job and he actually did a lot of the preparation for today's debate. So this is a definitely a joint venture between Don't you the let two him of us. Down. So I, I know kidding, the pressure. Love. He loves this movie and I want to do it justice uh, for Craig, but also just for the movie itself, which is a beautiful film. Hashtag justice for Craig. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Craig. Oh, it's going to be trending soon. <laughs> oh. All right. So this is our second our second round. So this means that we have six-minute opening statements in which you give both the pros for your film and the cons of your opponent's film. You will get a warning at five minutes, and that will sound something like this. And then you'll be cut off quite rudely at six minutes with Darkwing Duck saying... The jig is up, you jaded, jug-headed jack-in-the-box! That sound gives me heart palpitations. <laughs> like, oh. I'm not done It's <laughs> like, no, I have so much more to say. Um, after the first round, we take a quick break. We'll come back with a question and answer segment where I'll be bringing up questions that 
to clarify points that you've made or maybe bring up some points that you have neglected to make. Uh, and then we'll go into our third round which with three-minute closing statements and then I make my decision. So we have determined that Roz will be going first today uh, with her defence of Hercules. So we'll get straight into it. And Roz, your time starts when you start talking. Okay. Hercules is a film with few pretensions at first glance. Intended by the studio as a light-hearted musical comedy, it presents as a modern retelling of the story of the heroic Hercules of myth, taking the backbone of legend, adding a dash of 1940s screwball comedy and 1990s pop culture, and using these apparently disparate threads to weave a superhero story for modern times. And in, this, in, in, uh, and in this respect, it succeeds unequivocally. But like all good fairy tales, what appears on the surface to be a light and frothy romp also bears up to closer scrutiny and reveals a deeper message. Hercules, though born a god, represents in a sense every man. He is human, with human fallibility. We see him as a gawky teenager whose hands and feet are too big for the rest of him and who cannot touch something without destroying it. He is rejected by his supposed peers, mocked for his clumsiness and labelled Jercules. In him we are invited to see that even one born of the gods can struggle to find their true place and identity in the world and that indeed true heroism does not lie in being the biggest or the strongest but is measured by the strength of the heart. Hercules does not win his place by feats of strength or by the exercise of the divine attributes that are the happy accident of his birth, but rather by willing sacrifice of those attributes to save the one he loves. And even at the end, when he has been restored to immortality, he ultimately refuses, choosing a mortal life with Meg over a place among the gods in Olympus. It is this deeper message that ultimately makes Hercules so relatable and lifts it above the canon of your average superhero story. In Hercules, we see real growth in the central character. He takes the journey from being a gawky, uncertain teenager to a grown man, certain of himself and of his place in the world. This depth of growth and change is somewhat lacking in Coco. The characters at the end are pretty much the same as they were at the beginning. No one really changes or grows, save that the matriarch changes her mind about music and the rest of the family obediently follows suit. There is also a strong feeling that for Miguel to be accepted by his family, he has to want what they want and to do what he is told. Only as long as he conforms is he loved. At the end, they don't say, we don't like what you want to do, but we accept it as part of you and will love you and support you regardless. Rather, a love of music becomes reintegrated into the things that it is okay for the family to, to have. Hercules was released in 1997 to critical acclaim. It was the 35th animated Disney feature and the eighth to be produced during the Disney Renaissance. The original pitch was for the Odyssey, but this was ultimately rejected as the story was too long and lacked a strong central character. It was directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, who also have Aladdin and The Little Mermaid to their credit. Music was by Alan Menken, and artistic inspiration was drawn from the British cartoonist Gerald Scarfe, who was recruited as production designer, and incidentally also provided the artwork for Pink Floyd's The Wall. The artistic team also undertook research trips to Greece and Turkey. Overall, Hercules grossed $252.7 million at the box office. Now, artistically, I've already mentioned production de designer Gerald Scarfe, who was brought on largely because of the similarities in his work to classical Grecian artistic styles. I think this film is beautiful with some really effective contrasts and use of colour and style to create the desired effect of the film. Compare, for example, the psychedelic Candyland of Olympus with the brooding darkness of Hades' world. Then there are the Titans, who combine elements of classic Grecian ask with a kind of automaton robotic effect, so they have this sort of Transformer-esque feel to them. Classic Grecian artistic styles and colour palettes are employed throughout the film to great effect. There are also some superb animated sequences, most notably the battle with the Hydra, the reawakening of the Titans and the sequence where the fates snip the thread of Meg's life and then attempt to snip Hercules, a visually stunning and completely compelling sequence. Animation was done in both California and Paris and computer animation was utilised in several scenes, most notably the battle with the Hydra. This four-minute scene took the 13-strong animation team over a year and a half to animate. 
Now, while Coco is also visually stunning, it remains on much the same level throughout. There's not the level of contrast that you find with Hercules. Honestly, after a while with Coco, I stopped noticing it, whereas the fact that Hercules crosses between very distinctive styles gave a richness and breadth to the overall artistic appearance of the film, and I was constantly delighted and my attention re-engaged. Musically, Hercules is great fun. The muses in particular bring a brilliant musical energy to the film and perform the role of the chorus, keeping the story moving by providing necessary backstory and narrative. The music in Coco is also beautiful, and the central song, central song Remember Me is used to stunningly beautiful effect, particularly, particularly at the end when Miguel sings his plea to Mama Coco. But I think, the, I think the greatest strength of Hercules lies in the way music is used as a narrative device by the chorus and, again, the contrasts. The score was influenced by gospel, Broadway musicals, processionals and R&B, giving a much stronger richness and depth to the overall score than you find with Coco. Hercules has some really solid characters. Absolute king of the hill is James Wood as Hades, who just does not miss a beat. He is present, ruthless and remorseless throughout, and the energy of his character is just fabulous. The way he transitions so sharply between moods and the speed and wit of his dialogue, much of which was ad-libbed, is fabulous. Tato Donovan as Hercules does a stellar job of growing the character as he transitions from an awkward, uncertain teenager to a grown man who understands himself and his place in the world. Susan Egan as Megara is great, providing a strong, witty character as Hercules' love interest, and the support cast are fabulous, with particular nods to Danny DeVito with the wit and humour he brings to Philoctetes, and the comic double act of Pain and Panic. I also love the fates. I thought they were brilliantly done and suitably sinister for their role. Overall, Hercules is just a great film with an enjoyable story, a compelling message, and great characters whose journey you genuinely care about. Excellent. With 30 okay. seconds to spare, well done. Lots of points. Oh, my hand is sore. <laughs> <laughs> and so everything I've checked so far is true and correct. Wonderful. Very, very well. Okay, well, we'll pass straight on over to Stacey, uh, and you'll have six minutes with a warning at mm -hmm. five to tell us why Coco is the best Disney film ever made. Coco is a visual, auditory and storytelling masterpiece that exemplifies Disney Pixar animation at its finest. This film was incredible emotional weight, following a young boy who is struggling to come to terms with his great love of music, is scorned and banished by the family he cares so much for. When we first watch Coco, it is easy to assume that the story is going to be a trope, follow your dreams at whatever cost. Miguel risks literal death in order to continue to chase his dream of being a musician. However, through relationships, the enriching of heritage and the revelation of the important role families play in the lives of both the living and the dead, we see the true meaning of the meeting, movie come to light. Family and culture are incredibly important and when they come first, everything else falls into place. The counter the, to this message is perfectly portrayed in Ernesto de la Cruz, the famous musician. His greed is so vast that he seemingly does not care to return to the land of the living or his family, preferring to celebrate his own glory in the land of the dead, and in fact taking the attention of others away from this important task. The juxtaposition between Ernesto, Miguel's hero, and the choices and sacrifice that Miguel's great, uh, real great-great-grandfather, Hector, makes create a clear allegory for the price of fame and selfishness. Hector's love for his family drove his songwriting and that it was that love that made his music so incredibly touching that it reached thousands if not millions of others. Though Ernesto extorted these songs, the fact that family was at the core of them and further, further supports the movie's message. We also have Mama Imelda feeling the sting and betrayal of having her ideal of family being sold. And while it might be quite comical and extreme for a family to ban music entirely, we can see what Disney is saying here. The family, while still together, are neglecting a massive part of their heritage. The conflict plays out eventually coming down to the family's own song, reviving the memory of a beloved grandmother who holds a key to the family's heritage. That's why this film is called Coco, because we see in her the idea to never forget your heritage. Because if you forget your heritage, then you forget yourself. 
The score is soulful and mesmerising. Remember Me has become an instant classic off the back of the heart-wrenching final scene. The way the song has been used differently throughout the fi- uh, by different characters highlights how interpreting your own heritage can t- make something like a song have a thousand meanings. But these songs genuinely make us feel, and it's because there's so much human emotion imbued into these moments. When Mama Imelda starts singing when Miguel accuses her of being unfeeling and ignorant to his plight, we as the audience feel that same surprise that Miguel experiences. We feel through the raw and human emotion in her voice the pain she has suffered through her passion of song. Furthermore, we can hear, hear the nerves of Miguel singing El Poco Loco, reminding the audience just how young this kid is. Miguel's face as he plays to himself in the attic shows how music is within him and moves him and the fact that the animators have accurately recreated the playing of instruments is just one of the many details that makes this movie a wonder to behold. Michael Giacchino's score is perfectly done. He reached back into his own memories of Mexico in order to construct the score, ensuring that it struck properly with the understanding of tradition and heritage. He wanted everything that was musical in this movie to come out as though it was a tapestry. Just like great painters using colour to evoke feeling, Giacchino throws music at us in order to swell our senses. And the music is backed up by the visuals, which bring to life the Mexican culture and in particular the Day of the Living Dead. Director Lee Ungrich had seen it portrayed in folk art and found something about the juxtaposition of skeletons with bright festive colours capture his imagination. It led him down a path of discovery where the more he learnt about Dia de Mortos, the more it affected him deeply. The animation um, is absolutely breathtaking, executed with incredible detail and care. Light itself, so beautifully contrasted between the worlds of the living and the dead, illuminates and draws us into a fully developed world. You can tell that they revolutionise the way that scenes can be lit, as light is used in such a stunning way in each scene. Each skeleton was given their own uh, personality. New animation methods were created to uh, provide realistic movements for the characters. It's what fills the movie with its magical look, the marigold bridge, the sights of the land of the dead, the beautiful glow of the living world, and takes animation to a magical balance of almost real but still animated. The movie portrays both family dynamics and culture in a realistic and respectful manner. There are a range of female and male characters and each is unique. Though the banning of music may seem ridiculous, there is a respect held by why this rule came into the family. Both female and male characters are given depth and detail in order for us to understand their relationships to each other and to the story. The family's culture is not mocked or stereotyped but celebrated. It is because of this care and celebration of culture that the movie not only performed well at awards but also at the box office, in particular Mexico itself. The movie wasn't shunned by the culture it represented, even surpassing records set by Avengers Age of Ultron in Mexico. The movie won Best Animated Feature and Best Original Song at the Oscars and it uh, won 11 Annie Awards, um, which was a record winner, uh, Breaker. It was also selected by the National Board of Review as a Best Film of 2017. Compare this movie to Hercules, a movie made by a team who just wanted to smash it out so they could work on the project that they actually liked and wanted to do. Its focus to be as broad and mass appealing as possible killed any heart that the movie could hope to achieve. Unlike Coco, which lovingly created an accurate portrayal of the culture it was based on, Hercules was incredibly unfaithful to the original text and culture, so much so that a Greek paper dubbed it another case of foreigners distorting our culture just to suit their commercial interests. Hercules struggles to find the right tone, which meant that it meandered through a haphazard plot with as many odd, gotta chuck them in there, pop culture references as they could throw in, seemingly without care about how they service the story. Hercules was hard to back as a protagonist. He had literal godlike abilities and his struggles were things like, I have to exercise and oh no, I'm not a god, I'm only a half god. Though both Coco and Hercules deal with the subject matter surrounding death, the films take very different approaches. While Coco focuses on the reality of death and loss, it also celebrates life and life after death, highlighting the importance of the impact the living make on their families while they live and the lasting impact those family members have when they are gone from the living world. Coco celebrates the importance of heritage and the role the family can have in keeping the memory and literal life for their family alive. However, Hercules makes life and death a joke, where killing becomes a sport, your soul is something to be traded and shows the afterlife as a harrowing, miserable existence. 
Coco is an original movie that provides not only a respectful representation of a rich real-world culture, but a story of embracing all parts of your culture and heritage, focusing on what is truly important. The emotional growth of Miguel, who starts a movie focusing only on himself and his own goals, learns that life and family are more important and worth risking a dream for. Coco transcends a simple coming-of-age story and provides a message of hope and love, something we all need more of in our lives. All right, right to the second. Well done. Oof, okay. Uh, so we'll take a break now. We've got some facts to check. Yes, I just wanted to say <laughs> that whoever did the research on uh, Coco, I don't know if it was you mm. or mm. Um, brilliant, yeah, because the development team behind Hercules actually did push back their original plan to do Hercules, which was Treasure Planet, released mm. in 2002. Yeah. Ah, yeah. See, you learn something new every day. <laughs> All right, so we will take a break and we'll come back with the question and answer segment. All right, question and answer time. Now, these films are have a lot of similarities and, yeah. and both of you have hit a lot of the same points as to what is good about your film. So I would like... I kind of want both of you to explore a little bit more. You've both said that the music is tied into the both the story and the scenes. Mm. So I would like you to give a couple of examples as to what is as to when your film does this best. Okay, so don't worry about the other person's film. That's their problem. Um, <laughs> just tell me where in your film you feel the music epitomizes uh, the the action and the story that it is telling at that point. So we'll start with Ross. Okay, so I think first and foremost the um, the trope of using the muses as a as a kind of Greek chorus or a, you know a gospel choir. It first of all you know it, it fits neatly into the Grecian style of storytelling mm-hmm. you've got a chorus who are in the background and they're providing that essential narrative and backstory so it kind of it's, it's a really neat device to give us sort of all the you know the, the, the backstory of how the, you know, the, the, the big fight with the titans and between the titans and the gods on Olympus initially and weaving all of that in and sort of bringing us up to this, the present moment which is the birth of Hercules in his life so it fills in all that backstory very neatly and mm. um, and also throughout the tale the, the muses are brought back to again keep the narrative going and just keep the story flowing which I think is done really effectively uh, and that, I think that's probably one of the strongest uh, ways in which music is moved, used in this film and then there are just the individual songs which as with so many Disney films are used beautifully like for example um, Meg's song you know I won't say I'm in love it's just you know it, it's a beautifully emotive piece and um, kind of captures her her story and her emotional journey okay. really beautifully so um, just so I so I'm understanding what you're saying you're saying that the muses as mm-hmm. part of like actually telling the story mm-hmm. are the integral part of the of the Hercules score while as the individual songs don't let it down yeah yeah and yeah. yeah so the mm-hmm. the narrative is told through the muses but mm-hmm. the actual disney style songs that aren't mm-hmm. the the chorus are also um are also not shabby. Well, no, they're, I mean, they're, they're great as well. They, I guess they give an extra dimension to the character or they give the character a chance to sort of, I guess, step in front of the audience and okay, yeah. tell their story. Broadway style. Broadway style, okay. yeah. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll pass over to Stacey now as to just the, the moments in Coco when the music epitomises mm. the story. I think the the key to the music in Coco is its authenticity. The 
everyone who worked on the film, and there were quite a few different writers. Um, Michael Giacchino definitely did all the scoring, but he was also assisted by Jermaine Franco, Adrian Molina, um, who are Latino artists, mm. um, as well as Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, who we know from Frozen. So they all worked together to create, um, similar to Michael's work in Incredibles, what I call a visual landscape. And it was such a, all the music is intrinsically Latina. It mm. is, um, they've got Latina lyrics, which I think is if you're going to tell retell a story and honor the culture, you need to use the language, um, which they did. Um, the music is is really boppy, but it, and it's it sounds um, it has that Latina sound mm-hmm. to it, and that's a really consistent um, through all of it. Um, they used "Remember Me," and I mentioned that in my initial that they use that throughout, and it has different iterations. It, it's wor- worked into the score. It's worked. Um, it's used as a big like showy number. It's used as a quiet reflective number, and so they've used this song to be like the centerpiece for the for the movie and they've made it so that it's new each time you listen to it and you get this different depth and it's woven through okay uh so another another common theme in both of these films is death um Mm. so obviously death is a huge part of coco's story most of it happening in the afterlife and hades being the uh, god of the afterlife is of the underworld Mm. is uh, it obviously plays a big part in Hercules as well. Now, you've criticised Hercules for its treatment yes. of death. Yes. Can you tell me why the treatment of death in Coco, where it is, where the afterlife is very well explored and yes. it's nothing, it's nothing fearsome, it's nothing to be worried about, is better than the treatment of death and the punctuation that Hercules offers? I think there's a lot of layers to death in in Coco. It's not just um, one thing. This is it. Uh, they developed this entire world, which is very funny. I loved all the um, like the customs kind of jokes. There's a lot of gags about it, which which is great. But when you when you when you watch Miguel at the start, who's like, "What is this custom? I don't care. I don't even want my my picture on the um, on of Alfreda. Um, mm. I don't I don't want my picture there. I don't want to remember it. And the shock of the family. Um, as a kid, he doesn't understand that. But when he goes into that world and goes. Oh, I understand the meaning of that. That if I'm not put on on that um, in that beautiful shrine, if I'm not remembered by my family, then I'm going to be gone forever, and also I'm not going to be able to see them again. And so I think there's this layers to death where it's you as a family when you remember and you remember the lessons and the experiences you mm-hmm. had with the family you keep them alive within you but you also keep them alive in this other world. And if people don't remember you, if you don't, if you don't. Um, if you don't help your family, if you're not meaningful to them, then you're going to have a the second death, the true death, which is that you're going to also disappear from this from this land of okay. the, of the dead. As so well. taking that into account, why why is Hercules' treatment of death, whereas it is the, this true death or this suffering, mm. um, is so much more present and threatening, uh, a, a worse treatment of death, of the theme of death in Disney? I think. Death is um, – they don't really explore it a lot in the film, but the, it's kind – well, they sort of have a throwaway comment that Hades isn't doing his job. Mm-hmm. 
he doesn't want that job and he's not doing that job well. His job is to guide them to the afterlife, which he's not doing, which is why they're all stuck there. Um, But the significance of that is never played. Um, And Hercules isn't like, mate, that's wrong. Your job is to guide them to the afterlife so they can get peace. It's it's all he really worries about is Meg and that one death and his own, his own pursuits, which is I want to be a God and be with my family. So the whole fact that Hades who has a job, who isn't doing his job correctly, who isn't giving people peace and going to, the afterlife mm-hmm. that's just like a passing comment that's never actually dealt with okay. and no one ever like it's all about oh you're trying to dethrone me or you're trying to like ruin my plans but it's not like you're actually not doing your job that's not okay and we need to replace you so that these lost souls who have died can actually go on to the next world which is such an okay. important part of that greek culture all right well speaking of greek culture um one of stacy's most uh, I guess poignant points against Hercules was the the criticism of its treatment of of Greek culture and its appropriation of that. Now, Roz, you also mentioned that the the mishmash of styles is actually one of the charms of the film. So, I would like you to justify that a little bit. Uh, I guess the using of the mythology and the style of of Greek. Uh, of ancient Greek culture and its conversion into a modern Disney story. Yeah, I did think about that a little bit actually because I I read that criticism as well and that was uh, a big thing when the film came out. And it's a bit of a difficult one to argue, I suppose, because I'm not Greek, so I can't turn around and say, no, it's fine to just take elements of a mythology and, you know, Mm. mish it together with other stuff and, and just throw out something new. Uh, I think the only real defence that I could come up with, and I'm a little bit cautious about it, was simply that that was what they were trying to achieve was not a was not a representation was not a representation of Greek mythology or the, the Hercules tale. They were taking elements of that tale to create a story, an entertaining story, um, and they, I mean they they quite blatantly acknowledge that when you read mm-hmm. the research of how the film was developed a lot of the mythology was problematic for the uh the producers for example the whole the real story of hercules so he was in fact the product of an adulterous liaison between yes. yeah. uh zeus and uh alchemini we'll i think skim name over that guy yes. yeah, <laughs> and, was, and maybe hera just uh, threw yeah, it and the from, fact yeah. that and the fact yeah. that in the original you know hera was the one who was actually the real villain of the piece not mm-hmm. uh, not hades as is so they're kind of like working within, you know, the, they've got their Disney morality and the family-friendly thing they're trying to produce and they've got the, the mythology which is convoluted and complicated at the best of times and so I think they've kind of gone, okay, well, let's, let's just try and pull these elements okay. together and have some fun with it. And they do have some – there are some lovely nods to the original mythology of Hercules as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's the fact that, you know, Pain and Panic who turn up as a – uh, kind of the, the the serpents and the baby Hercules defeats them, and the the labors of Hercules are, are nodded to as well. I mean, he doesn't go to find them; they're, they're brought to him in, in a quick little montage because otherwise the film would be ten years long. <laughs> but <laughs> but they do sort of like they did bring those elements in as well. So I, I, I can see how it's problematic, but I think the, what what the producers were trying to achieve, I think they succeeded. Okay, yeah. absolutely. All right, well, that's all the questions that I have. Uh, Carly, did you have anything? You stole one of mine, but that's a goo because you were more eloquent. (laughs) So you're forgiven. It's fine. All right, well, we'll take another quick break and then we will come back with our closing statements. All 
right, so we're back with round three, the final round where you get to make your summing up arguments as to why your film is the best film and your opponent's is not the best Disney film. You'll get three minutes with no warning. You'll just be cut off by Darkwing Duck at the end. And once again, we will be starting with Roz as to why Hercules is better than Coco. Your time starts when you start talking. Let us first of all consider what we are trying to achieve with this debate. We're trying to determine which is the best Disney film of all time, but Disney encompasses such a broad scope. You have the sweeping majesty of The Lion King, the psychological brilliance of Inside Out, and the gothic fairy tale charm of Nightmare Before Christmas. And in a debate such as this, where we are pitting two undoubtedly excellent and in some respects similar films against each other, we need to first of all consider just what Disney is trying to achieve with each film and with which film they best accomplish their goal. If our true goal here is to find the best Disney film, it would be hard to find a film that is more quintessentially Disney than Hercules. It's really got everything. A hero, effectively an orphan, struggling to find his place in the world. A most satisfyingly diabolical villain in Hades. A comical double act provided by Hades' minions, Pain and Panic. The faithful sidekicks represented by Pegasus and Philoctetes. The sharp and witty love interest, Meg. All these classic tropes are delivered up in unrepentant, joyful excess and we are invited to just drown ourselves in it. It's intended as a, it is intended as a light-hearted musical comedy and in that respect it delivers, unequivocally and unashamedly. While you can argue that it messes with the mythology, and it certainly does, it doesn't apologise for that fact. I read somewhere that it was to Greek mythology what Aladdin was to the Arabian Nights. It takes the backbone of legend and uses it as a structure to weave a new story. There are some fun nods to the original mythology. I've already touched on Hercules uh, vanquishing pain and panic in their serpent form. Um, there was also the time you see him as a young man posing for his portrait wearing the skin of the dead Nemean lion. And fun fact, this lion is actually a cameo appearance by Scar from The Lion King. <laughs> yes, I did notice that. Cool. Uh, on the surface of it, while charming, while charming and beautifully constructed, I question how much depth Coco really has when you get beneath the candy coating. The central themes of remembrance, remembrance and family are beautiful, but the whole package is predictable and formulaic and on the whole leaves the viewer unsatisfied. Or not so much unsatisfied as unsurprised, it was very much a case of, oh yeah, I expected that. And as I stated at the beginning, the characters in Coco don't really go on any sort of transformative journey. They really aren't changed on any fundamental or meaningful level, unlike Hercules, who does go on the true hero's journey, facing challenges both internal and external, and that for me is why Hercules remains the better of these two films. All right. Well done. Okay, Stacey, we'll go straight over to you. Three minutes and your Ooh. time starts when you start talking. Coco is an incredible example of how far Disney Pixar has come. Uh, not only in its skill, in the incredible detail in the animation to the differences in those beautiful um, characters who had been well remembered to those who are nearly forgotten um, to the beautiful use of light and color um, not just that but also in its representation in its accurate stories um, and telling stories while realizing the impact that they have on real living people that they're not just going to extort somebody's culture something that's so incredibly important to them but they're going to celebrate that and represent that and tell these different stories that share a different part of our remarkable incredibly diverse world the um i have already mentioned the animation it is incredible in this film and there are moments where it does walk that line where it is so incredibly real yet still this magical world um and it is beautifully done and there's of course a bunch of easter eggs in there um that you see on re-watching the film the writing is 
wonderfully done. It has about three false endings, which get you every time. And I still forget <laughs> about them when I watch them. Um, but it's beautifully told in that we expect a story to go a certain way. And yes, we might be able to predict some things, but that's kind of the joy of movies is, is getting things right and guessing it because of the great storytelling, the great characters and the, and the depth that they go into that we are able to predict that because of that fantastic storytelling. The music in this film is just stunning. That beautiful Latina uh, music that is woven throughout the entire movie and embraced. And in fact, the young man who played Miguel, uh, they, he wasn't even going to sing until the director was like, he's got an amazing voice. Let's chuck that in because he that he embraced that um musician he could bring that beautiful spirit to miguel as a character um and in, and the fact that they actually animated real chords while he was playing on the guitar that accuracy just shows the love and detail that went into this film which is truly ma magic um, and is also an, an incredible representation of Mexican culture. There are so many um, reactions from the Latina community about a joy of seeing a character like themselves on the screen um, with the voice cast having beautiful, um, amazing, incredibly talented Latina actors. The music, the culture, the colours, the rituals and traditions that have been represented um, shows that care. And I think the true core to Coco is that at the heart of a story is a young boy, a young boy who faces challenges, who doesn't understand his world and his culture like many children do until um, he goes on a journey, until he experiences that and understands that there are more things out there, more important um, than, yes, he's got a passion. Yes, he's very good. Yes, that is a wonderful thing. But at the end of the day, your family are there for you. Um, they love you and they will embrace you if you embrace them uh, and take all of that into account. Um, and that's all I have to say because it's just beautiful. All right. Well, you've got three seconds left, Woo! so well done. <laughs> well oh, my done. God. <laughs> okay. I'm all emotional now. I'm thinking about it again. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to review my notes and make my final choices. While I do that, please take some time to gush about each other's films for a minute or so. I was so mad when I found out I had to go against Hercules again. <laughs> it was hard enough the first time and then I had to do it again. Because oh. Oh, it's just so awesome. Um, I was talking about the other day that it's actually being adapted into a Broadway musical, Hercules. Yeah, yeah. I think they're doing a live, uh, yeah, the Broadway musical. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Yes, and yeah. that, I'm so psyched. I'm yeah. it, it is the songs are so catchy. Bless my soul. Bless my soul. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just such a good film, and I always have a great time watching it. I know I, I stand by my my opinion that it is it is a problematic film, but it is still fun. <laughs> yes. Like it's still you'd still really enjoy it when you're watching it. Um, and I can't be mad about that. And it's hard to be say things bad things about it because yeah. it's just such a fun film. I, I had the same problem with Coco. I, when I, went, I was like, "What the hell am I going to say about this? It's it's, it's almost perfect." Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, and I really love the. Um, I think for me, more than anything, just the the emphasis on on memory and remembering mm. is just so beautiful and so powerfully drawn. Like in, in in so many ways, like you know, just remembering people who've gone before or Mama Coco remembering and that, oh. that, that beautiful you know the way they, they deal with her dementia or yeah. in whatever oh, that, when, when she comes back and, that, but oh gee that yeah, was beautiful it's just so tender and so wonderfully done it is done. and yeah. and it is emotional like I, I cried at that the whole ending I was like oh no it's so beautiful get it together um, Stacey gee oh but it is a it's a <laughs> it lovely is. it's a lovely film it is um yes. and I, I was saying i I it was gifted with this uh, debate because I, I got to watch it and I literally watched it three times in a row. I was like, this is great. I'm going to watch this again. Um, 
Because it is. It's so pretty. Would have been a rough day. But it's good emotion. And watching it again, there's all those other layers. And that's I think that's the fun, isn't it, of Disney of re visiting them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um and I th- that is a trouble, I think, comparing these newer ones if we don't have that. We're, we're having just a different experience when you watch it. Like rewatching like Hercules, Hercules as an adult. Yeah. Totally different. Mm. Totally different. Loved sure. it harder, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If that's possible. Well, there's different things to appreciate, I think. And that, yeah. that's yeah. something Disney does very well. Mm. Um, well in that, yeah. It, kids love it. And you love it when you first watch it. And then the more you watch it, the more you appreciate all this stuff that's been chucked in. And yeah. All right. well, I'm going to have to go home and watch Hercules. I've got a decision. <laughs> I have a bias to declare. If any, anyone who has listened to musicals taught me everything I know knows that I have a soft spot. The softest spot in my heart is for old people having feelings. And so that is Coco, basically. <laughs> um, the entirety of Coco. I, I love this film, but I also love Hercules. As it has a very special part uh, in my my youth. And again, the yeah. nostalgia going up and coming back to it. And well, then, Hades is an old person having feelings as well. So mm, mm. Th- That's true, but he's having a lot of angry feelings. It's very complicated. And then again, getting involved with musical theatre, Hercules mm. is a is almost a perfect musical theatre movie. Yeah. Um, taking so much inspiration from Broadway and that style of telling a story using the chorus and that style of um, I Want Song and Megara's song is just, oh, oh the, one of the best Beautiful. Disney songs of all time. It's such a good song. Mm. So this is a really difficult one for me. I just wanted to get that out there. Um, Hercules is nostalgia, whereas Coco, like, just honed in on my um, more, my one emotional vulnerability and just mm. bore into my heart. Um, so I think while both of these films are very good, we have to explore what is different about them. So yeah. in one case, that's the representation. And I think while Coco is a movie built around representation and the exploration and the exp- and the exploration and I guess um, realization of a specific culture that is very alive and very current um, and it does that almost perfectly like Roz said it, it is it is a great a great entrance into that culture whereas Hercules takes a bit of a lighter step with the the culture that it's touching on and it's drawing in a lot of other western influences and I can't hold the appropriation too much against Hercules and I and Ros, you answered to this very well because if we do it to Hercules, we have to do it to Aladdin. We have to do it to Hunchback. We have to do it to yeah. all of these adaptations that are appropriating cultures that aren't 1970s onward America. Um, so while I don't think Hercules um, disrespects the source material at all, um, I, I, I don't think it can be held too much against it yeah. while Coco is a is a film built around the 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 proper representation of the culture so Coco in that case is does get get a tipping point in its favor yeah when it comes to um again the style of the film like Hercules it epitomizes renaissance disney it is just a fun romp great songs it never lets up 
fun stories, heartfelt characters, a, 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 just a, fan, a fabulous villain in James Wood's Hades. Whereas Coco is much more sedate, much more heartfelt, much more focused, a much more cohesive story. It's very much epitomizing the Disney Pixar mm. style of film now. So this is rough. <laughs> yeah. I see your face just be like, ugh. <laughs> no los dos. <laughs> we cannot pocanos les dos. <laughs> um, it's too hard. We must, I must make a choice. And so when it comes down to it, I think Coco is the better film. Um, I think that it is almost a perfect script, perfect acting, perfect music, perfect animation, the lighting in this thing, the, just the, the Marigold Bridge mm. and all the stuff in the, af- in the afterlife. It is an almost perfect film. Whereas Hercules, while flawed is just fun nonstop one end to the other. And in which, how do you weigh that Mm. in which is better for Disney? So I think Coco is a, is epitomizes Disney Pixar now. I think Hercules is the better Disney film in retrospect. And so I'm going to say that Hercules is the better Disney film today. And I am not sure if I've made the right choice. I am so conflicted about this one. I'm so conflicted. Congratulations, yeah, Roz. Yeah, well done, Roz. Did not you, expect that. You, yeah. you, you answered to everything that was said against Hercules and you brought up a couple points that Coco just can't tip over. Like, Coco isn't a romp. It isn't fun. Well, it, it is it, fun. It is fun. I, I'm going to say it is fun. It's not but the it's same not, kind of Yeah, it's not the camp. same kind of, like, light-hearted fun. Like... All the fun in Coco is backed up by this emotional resonance that, like, something's going to happen. Mm. And that's where Disney is is at. It's it's less yeah. about the lighthearted fun. It's, it's like we need to deliver a message. We need Maybe to I should relevant. have leaned into Dante more. I mean... I mean, look, there are so <laughs> many things in Coco. Like, I don't think that either of you debated poorly. No. I ju- no that was honestly, intense. I, I just think it's that... It's two great movies. Yeah, it's mm. two great movies and, and honestly I think just, Roz, you just managed to answer for everything that was said yeah. against Hercules. Whereas the while your, your one point against Coco was the no real growth of character mm. and I think that is, that stands up but I think there is a lot of small growth for a lot of characters and that's mm. what that, that film is about. Mm. I'm not confident in this choice, um, but I've made my decision. <laughs> Give some um, feedback on the socials, everyone. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Yep. Good. <laughs> Facebook. You're getting your opinion prepared. You've never seen me so flustered, Zane, um, about a decision. Oh, I just love both of these movies for entirely different reasons, and they're so hard to compare. Yeah. If you think I've made the wrong choice, let me know politely please <laughs> on facebook there will be a poll up on our facebook page uh disney vs disney debates you can also find us on twitter and you can find us on instagram all of our past episodes are up on that's not canon.com forward slash disney vs disney as well as all the other great podcasts on the network now we are getting to the end of the second round of this bracket and after the end of this round, it will go very quickly into the third, fourth, and mm. final rounds. So let us know what you no want pressure. us to do after after that's done. After we've done this first Disney 
all the Disney film bracket, would you like to go into sequels or the live actions? Worst what? Disney film? No. No, no we no, can't argue no, worst. No, we want to keep it no. positive. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, let us know on the socials. Um, thank you very much, Stacey, for stepping in to fight for Coco. Oh, it was Yay, an honour. You definitely did it justice. Um I I will accept all all the negativity for this decision. <laughs> um, congratulations, Roz. Uh, Hercules is a great film, and uh, once again, I will respect any hate that's directed <laughs> against this decision. Uh, and thank you for factoring us all the way to the end, Carly. Thanks, Zancy Weber. Thanks for having me again. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And until next time, keep watching Disney, everyone. Bye. Bye. I'm Morgan Phillips and I'm a human. And I'm Isabella Vallette and I'm also a human. But I was raised by fairies and now I'm taking my human friend Morgan in to meet all of the mythological creatures that I know. Every Sunday we meet a new mythological creature and interview them about their life in a modern day context. Such as... The Night King from Game of Thrones. Funicula, the friendly vampire brother of Dracula. We've met the Loch Ness Monster. Santa. The Volpertinger. The Devil. And a Mermaid. And many more. We release all our interviews as a podcast called Off of the Fairies where we interview a new mythological creature every week living in a modern day world come join us oh, that's not kind of productions podcast oh. sounds like there's a breakdown in communication next time come to a skoda workshop where our after sales team speaks fluent skoda we understand those mysterious little sounds and can fill you in on all your car's needs we also offer free 12-month roadside assistance and only use genuine parts. Book your service at skodaservice.ie. Skoda. Simply clever. Ten, nine, eight. Cadbury has launched new Freddo Treasure Space Series with Cadbury Dairy Milk Buttons and a surprise space toy in every chest. Three, two, one, lift off! Treasure every adventure. New Cadbury Dairy Milk Freddo Treasure Space Series. With only 76 calories per pack, pick one up in store. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.